0: Hello and welcome to the Faithbrook Church Messages podcast. Whether you're exploring faith, new to faith, or actively following Jesus, we're so glad you're tuning in and we hope that these weekly messages will encourage, challenge, and inspire you. Life is not meant to be done alone, and our hope is that these messages will lead you into a new and thriving life in Christ. Now let's listen to this message from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort.
1: Good morning. How many of you know what this is right here? Some of you might say, oh, that's some wall covering or wall decor. Well, more specifically, this type of wall art is called tapestry. What uh, classifies tapestry from other art is that there's always going to be a remnant of the original threads or material that started the, the art. So it all began with a designer who had a vision To say, if I can take individual pieces of yarn or thread, weave them together, and put the colors in the right places, this could turn out to be something beautiful, something that would bless people and make an impact. But it all started with this picture, this vision. And This morning, we want to talk about our vision as a local church. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. Some churches are making a big deal of Super Bowl, and one day we're going to make a big deal when the Vikings get in that game. But till then, we just kind of set this Super Bowl Sunday aside for our local Vision Sunday. And if you're uh, new to us or just learning, watching us today online, we want to welcome you. Because this would be a good Sunday to kind of figure out who Faithbrook is, uh, where we're going, what's our vision, what's our mission on this Vision Sunday. I want to welcome you today. A lot of times we see that in America, the local Christian Bible believing church is kind of shrinking. Data tells us that churches are not as prominent and influential as they used to be in America. It seems like every generation uh, coming down doesn't grab a hold of the traditions or the convictions of their parents. And so, things, a lot of churches are either stagnant or they're declining. Few are growing, but they are not as prevalent as they used to be. Yet, we see in our society, there's a lot of brokenness, uh, there's a, a lot of confusion, uh, there's a lot of crime and um, moral, moral uh, dilemmas going around. In fact, the Gallup uh, Institution put out a poll a couple of years ago about what Americans thought of moral, <clears throat> moral values. They said that they found that 78% of Americans saw that moral values were getting worse in America. And when they dug a little deeper about what kind of moral values, they specifically said that consideration of others was the worst moral value that they saw that was deteriorating, declining in our world. You know, sometimes people don't wanna show up to church, they're just busy. Sometimes they think the church is not relevant. Sometimes there's been hypocrisy, scandals, Um, and they just don't see the need. And so we see this issue of churches declining. At the same time, we see a brokenness in our society. Well, this brokenness... And the need to redeem, to be healed is why Jesus Christ came. Because from the very beginning, God made humanity, gave them free choice. And through the years, humanity would, would make choices that would damage each other and damage the relationship with God. And there would be hurt and problems and damages. And God so loved the human race that he would send himself through his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem, to correct, to reconcile human beings to him once again to put him in right relationship with himself right relationship with each other and right relationship with creation he did this on the cross and he would b- bleed for our sins through atone and cover them and then eventually he would ascend well then he said to his followers hey it's your turn You have to carry on the message. You have to carry on this mission of this redemption of this broken world. I have a vision for people to collect, those who claim to be Christ followers, to come together in unity and functionality to communicate this message of redemption, of love and salvation from sin. And so we find this theme in the book of Ephesians this winter. We're kind of going chapter by chapter, verse by verse in the book of Ephesians to grow our faith, to be strong. A lot of times we are not very strong individually in our faith. We're kind of inconsistent. Uh, A lot of times we see churches that are kind of weak. They're kind of inconsistent. So who can live strong and authentically in their faith? What church is going to come together and make a difference and live wholeheartedly for God? And so this theme is what Paul is writing to his his church in Ephesus. See, Paul started this church. He loves these people. He's invested in these people. He realizes that they are in a secular society. Most of Ephesus is definitely not Christian. They're very central. And so he's not there anymore. He's kind of trapped in Rome. And so he's writing this letter. There's six chapters of it. And he's concerned that they will kind of break down they would kind of lose um, encouragement. They would start compromising in their ethics and their behaviors. Their neighbors, the city would say, oh, I thought you were Jesus followers, but look how you live. You're not very consistent. You're kind of weak. And so he's writing this book of Ephes- Ephesians to encourage them that if you're going to live for Christ then live strong to be Christ and reach your full potential. Now, today we're going to kind of uh, move into not just individual strength, but corporate strength church strength. And we'll see this in the scripture. So let's jump into chapter four, verses one, where Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you. The word urge uh, in the King James calls it beseech you. It really means to beg you. So Paul is begging them, hey, if you're going to claim to be Christians, then live that life authentically. Uh, Practice it. Uh, be fully devoted, uh, this life that he's calling you, that you have received. He goes on and said, here's some practices, here's some attitudes, here's some behaviors, right? Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, this is critical because a lot of times it's hard to have unity, especially collectively, in a church. Don't give up on this. There there was divisions, there was politics, there there can be scandals, but keep the unity. He reminds them, keep the main thing the main thing. There is only one body, one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope. When you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one god father of all who is over all and through all in all um so many times we can get divided on all kinds of little little details Uh, all of a sudden there's denominations and fractions and divisions in the church of jesus christ we need to stake the main thing the main thing that's why i'm excited about tuesday our community lent worship service uh i don't know 10 years ago we just pastors in the area maple grove said hey we know that the culture is changing in America. We need to do our best to you know come together. We don't need to be competing with each other and churches. But if you love Jesus, if you're preaching out the same Bible, the, the essentials of Christianity, let's see what we can do as a collective collaborative for the kingdom of God in Maple Grove and the surrounding areas. And one of the things we do twice a year is a worship together. And so this Tuesday at the Covenant Church, Maple Grove, that's on like County Road 30 over there by Sam's in Walmart, right? Right there by Highway 94. We're going to come together 630. And by the way, it's not going to be a bunch of preaching. It's going to be mostly worship. We're going to collectively uh, take communion together and then everyone the opportunity to go to prayer stations and just kind of pray over our, our, our city or, 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 or leave. Uh, it's going to be pretty casual there. So hope to see you. It's part of what Paul was trying to say here. Hey, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Now, he kind of moves into uh, individual um, uh, parts. But each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts <clears throat> to his people. So each one of us kind of reminds us of this tapestry. So we cannot have this beautiful picture, this beautiful design without Each part and each string is important, just like in the church. Each person is important to God, and each person is important to His collaborative collection of people. And by the way, each person has been giving gifts. Did you know in the Bible there's 28 different spiritual gifts that been have been identified, and each gift makes a difference. Just like each thread with different colors can bring together something beautiful, something that will be a blessing. Most people don't know their spiritual gifts, but there's gifts from administration to discernment, to mercy, to helps, to hospitality, to giving, healing, languages, and so on. All are important for the beautiful picture that God wants to to build through His local churches. Now, sometimes there's the gifts that come through leadership in local churches. The next phrase he identifies a couple of these. So Christ gave the apostles. The apostles in those days were seen as the people who had actual contact with. Jesus, um, Jesus ascended, they would move on. Uh, today, a lot of times, apostleship would be a, a missionary flare. Um, these original um, eyewitness people would go to other cultures, go to other countries and said, we've seen Jesus and, and share the good news. And of course, the church started flourishing and growing because of the apostles. The prophets were seen as um, people who, who told about the future. Now, sometimes people interpret that and say, well, I have the gift of prophecy. I can predict what's happening in your life. But a lot of times it has to do with preaching because most of the time preachers are telling and forecasting what is coming. For instance, that we will all perish one day and we will all stand before our holy God. There is a eternal judgment and a heaven possible for us. That's foretelling. We're preaching about Jesus one day will be coming back. That's prophesying. So it's a lot to do with preaching and telling foretelling of the truth. There's also gifts for evangelism that has to do with uh, salvation, uh, making decision that we need to make a, a holy personal decision to invite Christ into our life. There's pastors and and teachers. These are kind of leadership gifts and roles, but everybody, no matter who you are, has been given to complete and be part of the body of Christ. Now, the reason that we have these leaderships is found in the next statement where he says, to equip his people for the works of the service so the body of Christ may be built up. I, I love that phrase, built up. Um, edifying is another word, but really to be strong. What's so sad to me sometimes is a lot of churches can be very weak. Uh, There's not much momentum. There's not much girth. There's not much impact. They're all kind of fussing or sitting in their traditions and they're not alive. And so he wants people everywhere to get equipped to do the works of service so that you can be built up. Now, uh, the model in America for local churches a lot of times is that we hire a minister to do the work of the service. Pastor, you you go help and pray for the people and you clean the church and you do this and preach and all kinds kind of stuff. We'll pay you to do the works of the service. But scripturally and biblically, it's not the pastors. Pastors are administers. Everyone is a minister. In fact, there's different uh, passages in the Bible that talks that we are all Priest, the priesthood of believers. The Catholic Church has priests, those the professionals, you do the works of the ministry, but in the scriptures it tells that we're all priests, we're all uh, servants. In fact, we were created to do good works for Jesus Christ. This is what he's talking about. So, Pastors, let's say, uh, my job would be to encourage you, to train you, to equip you. So we all together are building something beautiful together uh, to benefit uh, God's kingdom and people going farther. Now, this, the secret sauce of this, to reach our redemptive potential, is that we're going to have to work together. We're all going to, have to take our individual gifts and our talents, and our personalities, weave them all together if we're gonna be Christ's redemptive body, or tool uh, to, to mend brokenness in our society, mend brokenness in our souls and hearts. And I would suggest to you that we have a lot of work to do. Uh, and, and around here in our uh, local area, of course, and in our world, uh, people are, are, are damaged and hurt. There's a lot of loneliness, there's a lot of angst, Uh, There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of overwhelm with just a digital age and options and affluence. Uh, People are dealing with mental challenges, career challenges. We got kids to raise. We got to take care of the boss. Uh, uh, And before you know it, our relationships and marriages are, are not doing well. And Christ is asking us, hey, work together to redeem the brokenness, to share the good news of the gospel. Several years ago, Our church had a dream of opening up this church. We got the opportunity in 2017, but we always had a dream that God wanted us to have a vision that we'd reach the next generation. Um, For builder generation, maybe boomer generation, a lot of them were holding on to the tenets of Christianity, but it's the next generation that seemed to be fading. And we realize that if we don't reach the next generation, uh, young families, teenagers, boys and girls, then then America is going to decline, especially in their moral values. And this breaks down into crime and harshness and hostilities and complications for our kids and our lives and our marriages. And Christ is the answer. Christ makes life better and makes us better at life. So we have to get there. And God allowed us to open up this facility, and we knew, and they said that hundreds of people, probably didn't know as many, but a lot of people would be moving into Dayton. And sure enough, as we speak, uh, hundreds of homes and developments are, are building. And they've been coming into our church ever since 2017. You might be one of them in the last couple of years. This was the vision. This was the dream when we opened this to intersect intercept the next generation. Now, I met many of you and kind of the stories are the same kind of same way. A lot of times they're like, well, you know, we kind of grew up in church. Uh, we believed in, in Christ. Uh, but as we get into high school and college, we got kind of busy, we kind of wanted to do our own thing and, and drifted away. And then when I found our, my spouse and we settled down, started having kids, we, we moved into this area and we want to put down some roots. And We realized that life is complicated we realized, oh my goodness, my, my kids need some values. They need some biblical principles. So where can we find a place that, that we can find home that my kids would be loved and, and we would be encouraged and we would be taught. And so they would shop different churches and, and many times they'd come into Faithbrook. They may be driving by or on, on the internet and they would come and they'd find uh, some love and some warmth here. And when they showed up, people didn't judge them and the preacher wasn't just super dogmatic, right, and shoving it down your throat. And uh, there was a place to explore Christian faith. To explore where their kids could be safe, and there was volunteer and there was some love and and some and some joy and warmth in this church, and they would come back. Say, I I got a chance to learn. I can kind of understand what that preacher's doing. And I can grow and maybe take baby steps to grow in my faith. And God has been blessing us and helping us. But it takes a vision to believe in the sea. And the Apostle Paul had a vision for his congregation, that young church back in Ephesus. In verse 13, he kind of shared his vision when he says, until we all reach, the word reach is a visionary statement. It's a concept. We're we're trying to achieve this. And we're trying to achieve unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and to become mature, obtaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. We want all of God, the fullness of God. His vision was about the knowledge of God and, and maturity and fullness. Well, here at Faithbrook, we also have a vision that we're inspiring to. A couple of years ago, we kind of chiseled out um, who we want to be, where we want to go. And I want to just kind of share our vision or remind you for some people what our, what our hopes are, what our prayers are, and that has become a healthy, vibrant, spirit-guided church impacting our community and our world and uh, this healthy thing is super important to these days. There's a lot of scandals and dysfunction in local churches. We want to be healthy. That starts with integrity. That starts with some transparency. That starts with a lot of humility. We also want to be vibrant. This is this word means alive. This means attractive. It's a place where maybe you's like, hey, you gotta. Yeah, I want to invite you to this this church, and of course, spirit guided that we're on our knees. We're saying, God, it's not my will, your will. What is your will for these days? America changes. Churches need to change. The gospel never changes. But what is your spirit guiding us so that we impact our community? You know, when I started in ministry or thinking about going into ministry, I noticed a lot of the local churches, they were just kind of brick buildings with a steeple on top and was just kind of an exclusive like country club for Christians. They didn't seem to have much relativism relativism, um, relatable to the community. It was just kind of an exclusive club, and, and but people uh, were dying and hurting, and it's like, hey, we got to get out of those four words and four, four walls and make an impact to our community, and that's part of our vision. That's not just our little club here, but that we can make an impact in <clears throat> Champlain and Maple Grove and the surrounding areas. There's hurting families. Uh, there are people that that are stressing and maybe poor, and and how can we help them? And and not just stop here, but. God calls us to be, to make disciples, to make an impact around the world. <clears throat> and this would all kind of look in, like in, in four ways. Uh, one would be creating an invite culture that you would be so confident <clears throat> of, especially the Sunday morning experience, that you would be uh, um, encouraged to, to invite somebody. In fact, we had someone the last couple of weeks inviting their neighbors, say, hey, uh, I think you're going to enjoy um, Faithbrook. And they, and they came. Uh, engaging families, because we know that the majority of Dayton around here is, is young families are moving in. So how can we teach them? This, last, this semester, we, we sponsored a financial peace university. I just saw a headline this last week that millennials have the highest amount of personal debt that they're wrestling with, with interest rates. So God has some teachings and the principles. Uh, developing leaders. Guess what? Every one of you in here has the ability to be a leader. Because God has apportioned spiritual gifts towards you. Maybe you're not going to be some CEO somewhere, but you can lead your neighbor. You can lead your family. You can lead a friend somewhere to encourage them or, or even to help multiply the kingdom through this church. And to produce authentic followers of Christ. Our th- authentic, fully devoted <clears throat> Christians. It'd be like, hey, uh, someone uh, sees you at work and you say, well, I attend Faithbrook and they're kind of like, hmm, is that person plastic or is that person real? Are they authentic? Do they really believe in their religion or their faith? And our our aspiration is to produce all in strong followers of Jesus Christ. Now this takes some work and there needs to be some development, some roadmap how to get there. Lately, we've been sensing that we need a little bit of help on what the future looks like. Praise God. We survived the, the pandemic. We lost some people, but people trickled back. The last couple of years, we've got some momentum as a church. Uh, our, our, we, got our, we got money in the bank. We got full staffing these days. We grew by 7% last year. So what is that pathway? What are the next ign- uh, initiatives that we need to take? And um, uh, we had a uh, big time discernment retreat couple weeks ago with our leaders. One of our leaders was Les Hamilton. He's one of our seven board members. They all showed up. Our staff showed up. He's going to come this morning and share uh, what God helped us discover, some of the phrases that we need to take steps for our future to accomplish God's vision for us.
2: Yeah, thank you, Jim. Um, So the board, about four weeks ago... Uh, the board, Jim, and the staff had the opportunity to sit down with a church consultant and really go through God's direction for our church. Did a lot of ideation, a lot of brainstorming, um, and we came down to really two initial focuses that we want to focus on, and that is, uh, number one, the, disciples- or the discipleship uh, pathway, how life groups you know, are involved in that, how they uh, formulate, and how do we create authentic Christ followers. And then number two was the volunteer structure and what that looks like. Did you know that it takes 30 to 35 volunteers every week to pull off two services? It's a lot of people, and so how do we you know, structure that in a way to where we can really maximize what God's given us here um, in, our, in our facility? And then secondly, you know, a couple of the other things that bubbled up to the top uh, were, number one, the research, the compassion focus. So what can we do locally that what will really impact our community and then number two, what does an expansion of our facility look like? Is it a youth wing? Is it, you know, what does what the, fa- the facilities and the physical building look like going, uh, going into the future? So, you know, we had a great time, um, but coming out of that, we realized we've got a lot of young um, families, a lot of young professionals in here, and how can we pass that baton on to them and really bring them along and create and develop authentic leaders And so um, and then secondly, uh, how can we partner uh, with you with God's help as we further down, uh, go down this path? We're super excited about everything we've got going on here with God's vision. Uh, And, you know, Jim, I'm, I'm as part of the board. I'm excited.
1: It's where we're headed. Very good. Thank you, Les. So Les talked about a part of our heart is to pass on the vision and the mission. That's going to take some people to say, hey, I'm invested. I want to be part of the ownership here. I see the Dayton area. I'm, we're putting down roots here. So how can we be involved and go forward to pass on God's vision? The Apostle Paul uh, was, was thinking about the same thing, as he talked about to reach this unity, uh, the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. So, so growing to a point of maturity. Could it be that a lot of times, we're just kind of consumers? Could it be that we're just kind of uh, babies in our Christian faith, and, and we have a hard time maturing and growing in our, our Christian faith? So if that's the vision for the Apostle Paul and for us to become mature, what does maturity look like? Someone said maturity looks like three C's. They, they look like these three right here. Commitment, contribute, and collaborate. Uh, Commitment uh, is kind of um, against the grain of our culture. A lot of times we like ease and comfort. We don't want to put out more energy, uh, but we know if we're going to commit as Christians, uh, grow as Christians, we have to be committed. You know, Jesus Christ was committed to you. He did not have to come from heaven. He could have continued to say, you need to earn your salvation by works and, and, and religious activities. But I so love you. I see your brokenness. I'm coming, coming down. And I, he paid a high price on the cross for us. He was committed to us. And so he's asking Christians, says, hey, be mature. Get committed. In fact, we see in the Gospels, as he was traveling with his disciples, they were asking him about, hey, this kingdom thing. And he says, hey. Somewhere you got to get committed. you got to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. That's hard work sometimes. But it takes commitment to be a mature follower of Jesus Christ. Second one is contribute. So it's no, uh, it's no secret that we live in a very consumeristic culture. Um, we got plenty of money, and we just kind of travel around and say, hey, uh, what's best for me? You know, uh, that restaurant, uh, the food doesn't taste that good or my kids don't like and stuff. And a lot of this consumerism can creep into the local church. Before we know it, uh, we're kind of uh, um, young in our thinking. It's like, hey, what can that church do for me? And when you're young in your Christian life or just beginning in your your path of Christ, that's okay. You kind of are a consumer, what's good for my kids. But as we grow to mature, you realize it's not all about you it's not like hey you know that 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 church has a better worship band or they got a bigger facility or their pastor has better hair than jim does or something like that you know it's somewhere we're like hey how can i contribute and each one of us has been given talents each one of us has been given gifts we all have some time not much time but we have some talents of resources. We also have some um, treasures, right? That we the funds to contribute. And when we mature, we realize that somewhere we have to contribute to the cause, that we have to grow and and give of our time or give of our treasures and talents. And third one is probably the trickiest and that's collaborate. Today we live in an informational age and we can easily isolate ourselves without collaborating and uh, being involved with other people. Uh, it's true that we can work from our home individually. We can shop from our home individually. Uh, we can be entertained individually. We really don't even have to get out around people. In fact, we can just uh, you know, pipe in our religion to ourselves. But Christ's dream and his vision was for people to work together as a body, as a unit, as a family of God. It's kind of like the tapestry. That, that's just not individual religion right? That's easier. But when we have to collaborate with others, that's where sometimes it gets a little messy, it gets a little bit tricky. There's the personalities and there's people all in process, right? And, and I'm supposed to be involved with them in a local church. Yes, that's part of maturity. I've always said that Christianity is a team sport. It's very trendy and easy. To just say, hey, I'm all by myself. I'm good with God. But part of Christianity is to be involved because when we're collaborating with other people, this is where we're stretched. This is where we have to extend grace. This is where we have to understand. Sometimes we have to yield right, and submit to to others and work together to create this beautiful picture, this beautiful mission and vision going forward. So here Paul is trying to teach them and to encourage them to be mature. And when we reach maturity, We're not infants anymore. He says in verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So he knows these people are vulnerable. we got false teachers. we got different philosophies, opinions. We have that even today, and we can easily be seduced from over there. We're kind of like little infants. Now, here at Faithbrook, we love infants. We love them physically. Uh, Little babies around here. We even dedicated part of our conference room to be a mother's room. That's how important they are. Um, We even like baby Christians. In fact, we kind of pride ourselves on some baby Christians because that means you are starting new in your faith. And as baby Christians, infants, you're you're not don't all the Christian needs. You're not sure maybe how all the Bible thinks, right? The church thinks that's awesome, right? Because you're growing. However, if a human baby doesn't grow and mature, the parents are like, "Hey, something is wrong." And here at Faithbrook, we don't mind infant Christians at all, but we want you to grow. Paul wants you to grow. God wants you to grow in in your maturity and the knowledge of of Christ. So this is what he's writing to these young Christians in Ephesus. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow, right? Get strong in our faith to become in every respect the mature, he loves that word, mature body. This is collection, collaboration to him who is the head. The head is Christ. And then he kind of brings it together. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It reminds you of this artwork here. If each thread, each person gets woven in, working together before we know it, we can do more than what we could ever imagine or, or ask according to this power because God has a vision for the church. He's the head. We're working together. There's a blessing. There's an impact. There's even maybe an attraction say, yes, there's something beautiful. Now, Apostle Paul uses different analogies for the local church. Uh, Sometimes he uses the bride of Christ, so the family of of God. He really loves to to, uh, equate the human body to the local church. Did you know that in the human body, there's 78 different organs in your body? Okay, Uh, There's 206 bones in the human body. There are 600 different muscles in your body today. And there are over 900 little ligaments holding them all together. That's the human body. Now, a lot of times we we think, well, I'm not an organ in the church. I'm not that important. I'm not the heart or ear or eyeball or something like that. But there also needs to be muscles. And he even brings it down to ligaments. These 900 little ligaments held them together. If you didn't have the ligaments, if you didn't have support, coming together, you could not have the organs and the body would not exist. It's the same way in the local church. He's painting this picture that we are this human body working together. Some have more, um, uh, uh, more responsibility. Some have less responsibility, but we can bring this beautiful, uh, picture and art together. This uh, this uh, picture, this graphic on here, I, I picked specifically, reminded us of our mission here at Faithbrook, to, win, to lead people to a new and thriving life in Christ Jesus. I could have picked any kind of other art, but here's this stairs going up to this, kind of this upper room. We're not sure what that looks like up here, it kind of just uh, gets invisible, and it kind of reminds us of the human life that we're all on a journey. We're all growing older. And one day we're going to disappear. And the question is, where are we going? Do we know our eternal destiny? Are we sure for that eternal destiny? And that's part of our mission here, what we do every day. Our vision is what we're inspiring to. Our mission is what we're doing every week, every day to lead people to a new and thriving life in Christ Jesus. Because everyone's on a path it's where they're going to go when they're uh, 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 on the path and then when they perish. What does their life look like? Now, Jesus said that he's creating rooms or homes for us in heaven, like upper rooms. And our goal and our passion is that every person, boy and girl, teenagers, would make steps to fall in love with Jesus, have a personal connection with Jesus, and the day they die, and we all will die, that we have a certainty that I'm going to be okay, because for eternity, I'm with Jesus in my heavenly home. That's why we're so passionate about our vision and our mission. And a lot of times, this is going to take some steps. This is going to take some maturity, that somewhere that the church body has to weave together in commitment. Church body has to contribute Our church body has to collaboratively work together, and together we can offer our community and we offer our world a beautiful, healthy, vibrant, stable, life-giving church that God is going to use in the modern day. But to reach our full potential, our redemptive potential, we're going to have to work together. Um, 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul knew that if the kingdom of God would not advance in that Gentile world without that group of Christians in Ephesus, uniting together for God's vision heart for that, that city of Ephesus. They lived in a very secular city, not many Christians, It was very sensual. There's all kinds of temptations and threats to that, that church and he had them to have to be strong. He wrote six chapters, all kinds of different topics from family to employees uh, to our everyday uh, ethnic life. He knew that that church have to thrive they would have to reach their redemptive potential the same way god is counting on faith to reach their redemptive potential people are broken people are far from god and someone has to step up and say collectively we got to reach these people to men and bring christ into their life so that one day when they die of a heart attack a heart attack or cancer or somewhere they know for certain they're with jesus christ And they're on this path, they're on this stairway, taking steps, engaging, getting, growing stronger. Some are farther up, some are down here, just beginning. That's awesome. But it's gonna take each person to do their part and say, hey, pastor, hey, leaders, how can I serve? How can I volunteer? How can I contribute? Because this is the vision of God. And and locally, our vision is to be that healthy, vibrant, spirit-guided church impacting our communities, Maple Grove, Champlain, surrounding areas, all the way to the ends of the earth. I was looking at some uh, census the other day about our population in this area. They say that there's about 70,000 people in Maple Grove growing. There's about 30,000 in Champlain. I don't know, Dayton's up to about 5,000 or, or so, but it's all growing. And, and then if you look in the census, how, how many are associated with some kind of religion? only 54% identify with some kind of religion or faith group in this area. That's just a little over 50% of the people. Now, if you look at that and say, well, how many of those 54% really have a relationship with Jesus Christ? How many of those 54% say, do you have certainty to know where you're going when you perish? That you know you're going to heaven? How many, we might have maybe 10%, 20%, that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that they're engaged with Jesus Christ. So at best, um, there's over 75,000 people in a 10-mile radius that don't know Christ, that they are left to themselves to navigate this complexing, demanding world. So they're all alone trying to figure out how to manage pressures from the boss to do their finances, to keep track of their marriage, to deal with their parenting skills, the morality and the uh, relativism and, and confusion and hostilities in our, all by themselves. But what if Christ is on his knees begging and pleading for our church? To, could you individually, I've gifted you, I've anointed you, you might need to be a ligament, you might be a muscle, you might be an organ, but somewhere we can play a part. If we collectively and wholly come together, we can make an impact for this community. Now, friends, this, this is going to take a partnership, if you will. And this morning, we don't do this very often, but I want you to consider uh, partnering with Faithbrook. Now, at Faithbrook, we, we consider membership partnership because. Partnership is like investing. Partnership is like linking arms and saying, man, you can count on me. We are partnering together. We don't use the word membership because a lot of times membership is just kind of a luxury, like a country club. The other day, I was talking to a couple of, of ladies who are interested in membership in our church, and I was trying to explain to them that being a member of faith is a little bit different than churches maybe down the street because we're on mission. We have a vision. Um, I kind of equate it to a cruise ship to a Coast Guard ship. So a lot of times, like, I'd like to be a member here, and I'd like to go sit on a deck someplace and make sure the pastors and people come and serve me, and I'm going to be oh okay. I'm like, you know, that's not our framework of of partnership. We're asking you to get on a rescue ship. Uh, There are going to be some privileges, and there's going to be some deck life, et 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 cetera. But see, when we read the Bible, there are people perishing. There are people drowning from their sins and their, their relationships, their insecurities, et cetera. And God's asking a local church to be like a Coast Guard ship to go search and rescue. And that and one pastor or two pastors can't do a ship like that. It takes everyone. Some people got to be in the um, the engine room. Some people got to be on a life room. Some people's got to be in the galleyways. Some people got to be in cleaning. And together we can have a life-giving, rescue, redeeming church that is reaching people for Christ. And that takes Partnership. Partnership uh, comes with some privileges. I, I think part of it is you know being able to vote on some major decisions. Uh, it is our members, or our partners here. That if there's a change of pastor, like me, it just doesn't go to the board, but but it's part of the partnership. That's vote on that. Uh, every year we try to rotate our lay leadership. There's seven lay leaders. who try to get men and women. It takes the partners who vote. You need to be a partner because we are counting on those people who are invested. People say yes. We love this church. It's not a perfect church. We definitely know the pastor's not a perfect pastor. We know there's some kinks and there's some problems, but we're willing to, to be part of the solution. You can count on us, pastor. We're willing to be part of the collection and build something beautiful for the kingdom of Christ. There's some expectations for our partners. Number one, we, we, we need you to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you testify to that, right? Uh, we need you to show up to the worship is important to you. Uh, we need you to be in community besides just Sunday morning. Frankly, this is not a place for you for me to teach you and disciple you into deeper things of Christ. That happens in living rooms that happens in coffee shops. This is where we have discipleship and communication and love and learning in community as Jesus. Put people in circles and rather in rows to grow them. So we call those life groups. That's kind of our, our main thing for that. We're going to ask our partners to volunteer someplace that everyone's playing their part. We're going to ask our partners to, to give at a faith-giving faith, faith giving level. Uh, without our partners giving at a level, our church would not uh, be open. Most people say, like, hey, somewhere the money just falls out of heaven. Uh, I'll throw out a 20 here there. But my friends, the truth of the matter is operating a life-giving, vibrant church in modern day takes more than this 20 bucks a person uh, a Sunday. Somewhere we have to raise up and give if we want to present to our community something that is... It's attractive. Something that is life-giving in quality. It takes our partners to give, to serve, give, contribute, to worship. We're also going to ask you to live a Christ-like lifestyle. Um, so our personal decisions, what we do, what we don't do, reflects Christ. And so throughout our community, when we say, yes, I am a member, or here we call it partners at Faithbrook, people are like, oh, yeah, they're for real. I mean, we can tell that their, their faith is important to them. There's something different about those people. They don't do what everybody else does. They're following someone different. That's the lifestyle that we're asking our partners. We're asking also to believe in the vision, to embrace, to be raving fans of this mission that God has given us. Is it, are we the only church in town? Absolutely not. Do we have our flaws? Yes, we do. But are we trying with all our heart to come together together collaboratively and collectively with commitment to be mature in Christ, to present our community that is broken, far from God, an opportunity. For instance, you can invite your friends and we're gonna to minister to families. We're gonna raise up leaders and develop authentic followers of Christ. But it takes everyone. To reach our redemptive potential, it takes working together. Would you consider that? Now, if you wanna consider membership, uh, just consider it. There's a red card in front of you. It's a next step card. On the back, the bottom uh, box, it says, hey, I I'm, I'm, wanna learn more about partnership. That doesn't mean if you check that that you become a partner. That's just you wanna have a conversation. I will get back with you. We might have a class to explain a little bit more what that looks like. Just drop this in the offering box on the way out, and I will circle back with you and have a conversation about, hey, Partnership. What's what does that look like? Now, some of you are like, "Hey, man, I, I just showed up. I, I'm I'm not looking to be a member here, uh, or I just started this church. I, I don't know about that." Well, somewhere we can all take a step because we're all on this pilgrim, this journey, and maybe God is asking you to take just a little step in your faith. Not so much partnership. Maybe it's like, "Hey, I I, I want to start reading the Bible as often as possible." Maybe I'm going to take a step in, to volunteer once a month. How can I help? Uh, maybe it's to contribute some, somewhere financially. Maybe it's a life group. I'm going to try to meet with some people, and they, they can love me and help me grow, and we can navigate life together. Somewhere just take a step that God is calling you to do because we live in a broken world, and everyone God is calling to grow and mature in their faith in him. So let's kind of close it up with a little bit of prayer and consideration, I'm going to invite you just kind of to center in, maybe close your eyes, and we're going to pray for three things. We're going to first pray for our world and our community. So as we kind of slow down here, close your eyes, is there any neighbor, coworker, family member that's in need? Maybe there's someone that's battling cancer, someone, their, their marriage is on the rocks, Um, there's just some frustration in their life that they just need someone to love them. Is Christ calling you to befriend them, to make a difference in their life or even the community? Think about the teachers. Think about the families and the marriages that are hurting around us. The school complications. Do we care about our community? Would God would we be willing to give any of our time, efforts to minister and reconcile our hurting community? Would you take a moment to pray for this local church? We are operating and ministry in new territory, a very secular society now in, in, in America. Uh, things are not that, that, that easy. So would you just pray for the leadership, pray for me, Uh, That there would be wisdom, there would be tenacity, guidance. Would you pray for our board and our staff, for health, um, direction? And then finally, I I would ask you to pray for yourself. Uh, Where is God pressing on you that you could take another step? Where is God pressing on you that there's a step of commitment? Maybe some ownership, maybe partnership, maybe just volunteering, maybe just getting closer to him, a step on this this path, because one day we will all perish, and God's calling us to him to take steps and to grow to full maturity. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you came to this world. You understood our brokenness. Life is complicated all kinds of threats and problems in our life. And we need you more than ever. And our greatest need is to be reconciled to you, to be redeemed from our sin and to be made right to you, that if we would die, and when we do, that we would have eternal life with you. We thank you for that. Now, God, you've called us to take that mission and that gospel to our world and our community. And more than ever, God, we need your help. We thank you for these steps and initiatives that you identified for our church. But there's a lot of people, over 75, 80,000 people that don't know you. And if they would die, there would be a chance of perishing for eternity and damnation. So give us a holy courage, a gumption, a vision, God, a mission to never stop loving you and proclaiming your good news. Help us to do that. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Faithbrook Church Messages Podcast. If you're newer here at Faithbrook, we'd love the opportunity to connect with you and hear your story. To connect beyond listening today, we'd love for you to join us in person, or if you would please go to faithbrook.church forward slash connect, fill out that form, and one of our staff will reach out to you soon. God
2: bless and have a great day.